0: Welcome to End Credits here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is...
1: I'm Candace Lepage.
0: And Candice, uh, welcome to 2022. <laughs>
1: um, Thank you. I felt, I felt very welcome coming into the new year. Mm-hmm. It's a nice warm hug of a year, 2022. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep.
0: It's the year of Soylent Green.
1: Uh, except that Soylent Green has been an actual, like, product for quite a few years. Some guy who created a <laughs> protein drink and decided to call it Soylent Green?
0: Yep. He, he's or just
1: Soylent. He called it just Soylent, I think.
0: Yeah, he's he's the master marketeer of, of everyone. And uh, he clearly he clearly knows where the market is going.
1: Yeah, I don't know <laughs> about you, but there are not that many <laughs> pleasures in life right now. And uh, eating really good food is one of them, so I don't really plan on switching to an all-liquid, no-flavor diet.
0: Well, that's your loss. credits. Uh, <laughs> is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk about the latest in pop culture and review the news movies, which this week will be the Mexican romantic teen drama Anonymously Yours, which you can now stream on the Netflix. Uh, before that, we, we were... Um, because we're getting into teen drama We thought we might um, Point out some other places uh, Or some other teen drama You can currently stream since uh, Movie theaters are shut down again So streaming is the only option uh, Not that there were too many teen dramas At the movie theater before that they, <laughs> they, closed. they closed
1: Yeah, because teens basically Stopped going to the movies They can just watch things at home
0: Unless it's Spider-Man adjacent Apparently mm, True all right, so uh, Candace, you are the master of uh, the teen romantic uh, melodrama <laughs> genre. So why don't you give us the first of your three picks?
1: For sure. So um, yes, yes. The the my my taste in movies is <laughs>
2: um,
1: not as as strange as people think. By being a huge fan of horror and of teenage melodrama and of Netflix or a Hallmark uh, Christmas movies, but um, that's that's my wheelhouse. There we go. So uh, the first one that I'm going to suggest is a a remake actually that came out last year on Netflix called He's All That,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a, a um, it's actually. Uh, a sequel and not really uh, a remake there. It's actually, it actually lives in the same universe a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, of, of she's all that of course, which came out in the nineties and it's just, it was, it was just so nice is what I had to <laughs> say. Like I, I was gonna be just a ridiculous sort of trash fest um, it's based on uh, the ideas that there's a girl who is a big social media, um, you know, star. Essentially, she's a media influencer, and she's in high school. And she is the one who finds a guy to make him over. And so I sort of thought that it would be, you know, a lot of like social media influencing, um, cattiness, and that sort of stuff. And there was a little bit of that because you know it is teens. But Mm -hmm. really, it was just, it was a pretty, like, warm, nice film that actually had a really good message and really flipped a lot of the uh, questionable things from She's All That, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah, yeah. There was, there wasn't really a moment when the kind of weird girl took her glasses off and suddenly she was pretty.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's
1: like... Though, I, I do feel like there was a makeover of the guy, but um, it wasn't that ridiculous and dramatic.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: did he also have to lose his glasses? Uh...
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, I do seem I to feel... remember he put on a hat at some point and they're like, oh, yeah, the hat. That's the way to go.
0: Because <laughs> I feel like that's the... That's the brand, and it's like having a Star Wars movie without lightsabers. Um, you can't have a, a, a he's all that slash she's all that without the the scene with the uh, the removal of the glasses. But
1: yeah, uh, so the reality is you can't have a he's all that she's all that without sixpence and the richer.
0: Oh, that's also true. <laughs> it's also I, it's also in the text. Yeah,
1: yeah. I will say um, that. Uh, Matthew Lillard makes a cameo in this film, and uh, that alone is pri- is worth the price of admission. Matthew Lillard is absolutely great as the principal of this high school. Uh, I wish he had had more scenes.
0: That's kind of sad, actually. Um, <laughs> Matthew Lillard. What, that fall- he's
1: the principal?
0: That he's fallen so far. Um-
1: <laughs> oh. Disagree. This film was great.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I chose something from CBC Gem for my first pick. Uh, it's called Edgemont, and it's like the West Coast answer to DeGrassi High because it's uh it takes place in a Vancouver suburb high school. Um, it's a bunch of about a bunch of kids and are all dealing with issues. Some of them like very serious, like um. Uh, there's a whole subplot uh with one girl who's like from a very socially conservative household who um, questions her sexual identity and she's kicked out of her house. And there's a whole plot about that. And then there's also some not so serious stuff like the, uh, how the gossipy girl uh, whose name was Annika, how she uh, basically runs through the school, like a tornado for several years. And then, you know, who does she end up falling for? Well, she ends up falling for essentially like the, the, the high school Greenpeace advocate and, Uh, that's a a very dramatic romance (laughs) Uh, but I mean this is it's it's an interesting show because you really get some uh, like this is this was a really good farm team for you know local Vancouver talents some of them were ended up going big like uh, Kristen Crook and Grace Park and Jessica Lucas Um, some of them have had very um, successful careers as uh, day players for various Vancouver area shows. Um, like uh, if you if you ever watched like Stargate, any of the Stargate franchise, uh, Battlestar Galactica, of course. Um, any yeah. pretty, pretty much yeah. anything on the I, WB or the absolutely-
1: <laughs> I love watching for the Vancouver Day players, <laughs> you know, the Vancouver, like, special guest stars on Agreed. so many TV shows. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's a real Where's Waldo, but uh, a lot of those faces that you see on those shows, um, you can trace them back to Edgemont. And unfortunately, they only have, like, all five seasons you can stream on, like, if you buy them on Apple and uh, other places. You can, however, if you, just, if you want to taste... you want want a taste to get you hooked, a free taste to get you hooked, Uh, the first season is on Gem, so.
1: Great. Good one. I've never actually watched any Edgemont, but uh, I always wanted to.
2: Mm Because,
1: you know, I do love my Degrassi. And that uh, um, storyline you told reminded me a lot of uh, Claude and, God, why can't I think of her name? (laughs) Stacey Mystician, whatever her name was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. When you know she fell in love with the 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 poet guy who also wasn't a big like animal activist yeah. and she took epilepsy <laughs> drugs that were tested on animals it was awful
0: oh dear no I don't think it I don't think we ever got that far into um because that 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 relationship was largely pl- played for the lulls um like the the mo the the most drama heavy one is like the central one which was uh Mark and Jen, who were like this longtime couple, and then uh, Laurel Young moves to town from Toronto and immediately starts to stir the pot. So it's 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 real. It's got that real genuine Canadian flavor because here's this like solid salt of the earth uh, Vancouver romantic relationship that's upended by the girl from Toronto. So, oh,
2: wow. All
0: right. You go with your number two.
1: Yeah. So my number two is also a series. And uh, I I really stuck with Netflix in general. I think Netflix is doing a really incredible job. And I've talked about it a number of times um, Mm. when we've covered (laughs) these teen movies, but how they're really doing a great job of giving people a chance, like, you know, investing in smaller stories, in newer screenwriters and newer directors. Um, So I think Netflix is just like a wealth of places for this sort of like teen romance, teen, you know, melodrama idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And this next one, of course, uh, probably didn't take all that much work to get someone to invest in it because it's Never Have I Ever, which is from executive producer Mindy Kaling. (laughs)
2: So I'm sure
1: people were lining up to give her money. But uh, Never Have I Ever is a series based on a um, young girl whose family is from India. Name is Devi. Well, Devi, Devi. It's kind of, you know, depending on the character, they sort of pronounce it more A or more E. <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's, it's so funny and it's so heartfelt. I feel like I've I cried a number of episodes because we're introduced <laughs> right away. Um you know, the first year of high school, uh, her father passes away while she's at a recital. So first she has this sort of grief of her father passing away, and mm. then because of that grief and not really being able to process it very well, she suddenly has um, like a psychosomatic her her legs, like paralysis of her legs. Mm-hmm. so she loses. Uh, the ability to walk for about three months and has to be in a wheelchair. So her first year of high school is pretty awful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we're introduced to her starting her her tenth grade, her second year of high school. She has, you know, gotten over the the paralysis. She's trying to be sort of a normal kid, but also has all this expectation from just the Indian sort of tradition and her mom, mm-hmm. uh, all this grief still from her dad that she just decides not to do anything with she's like no it's fine she's Mm. very very angry she's really terrible to her friends Mm. um and there is still a romance or two or a few (laughs) and it's just it's really incredible how they're able to like walk all these lines and still make it funny still make it heartfelt make her really like she's she's a really bad friend. She's really bad to her friends. Mm-hmm. She's really bad to the two guys who are sort of interested in her. She's so self-centered, but <laughs> but it all like it totally makes sense. You're like, oh, of course you're 15 and you've gone through this terrible thing, and this is awful. And I'm with you on this journey. But oh my God, can I just shake you and tell mm-hmm. you to make better decisions?
0: Mm. Mindy, Kaling, Mindy Kaling's really good at that, sort of making thoroughly unlikable characters or characters that you should not like, likable, like Kelly from The Office had her
2: moments. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: so I have something along similar lines. I went uh, over to Tubi TV for this one. Um, It's, it's kind of, a, it's an interesting sort of like connective piece for Kevin Williamson from, you know, Uh, where he kind of left off with Dawson's Creek and where he was going with the Vampire Diaries. Uh, It's called Hidden Palms. It ran for one season on The CW, and it's only eight episodes, so you can pretty much blaze through it in an afternoon. Uh, But it's, like, part teen drama, part, like, super dark family drama plus, like, a detective story. Um, It's about this kid, Johnny, who watches his dad... Uh, die by suicide Uh, and then he he goes up like on a bender where he becomes a full-blown alcoholic but it yada yadas over his alcoholism and catches up with him a year later when he's moved to palm springs with his mom and his uh and her new husband and by sheer coincidence sheer cosmic coincidence the house they move into um was home to another kid who died by suicide um the year before so johnny gets sucked into this like weird psychodrama uh where he's trying to figure out and this may come as a shock if eddie actually killed himself (laughs) and he gets drawn into this uh this mystery uh the kid next door played by michael cassidy who is like a top-notch doucheness here like it's like a level 10 doucheness and it is uh really amazing to watch um he gets romantically involved with eddie's girlfriend uh he becomes best friends with eddie's best friend uh it's (laughs) it's really quite i mean if you think about the implications of it it, it, it's like sells and rolls as this kind of like silly teen uh thing but you know when you start thinking about it, it it is kind of like Dawson's Creek version of the talented Mr. Ripley almost but uh-huh. uh I, I don't think <laughs> I don't know if the series would have ever gotten there but I mean the the implications are there too but it's also a lot of fun and uh you know Sharon Lawrence plays a gun-toting Texas mom Texas single <laughs> mom in it so it's it's it, you know there are a lot of interesting things plus you get like sort of pre it's, it's Tessa Thompson pre like movie star fame but like right after she was on veronica mars that one year so uh there's there's a lot to there are a lot of threads to pull on in hidden palms which, mm-hmm. which makes it eminently watchable i think
1: yeah i should actually go back and and sort of rewatch it or or finish watching it i i watched it in real time when it came out but mm-hmm. i feel like only if like not it got it got canceled pretty early so mm. Either I stopped watching the episodes because I'm like, why bother? It's canceled. Or, or they stopped airing them. Or they, Judging by network television, they probably moved it around on different days of the week constantly. Mm-hmm. And so I only remember watching the first couple of episodes and not really continuing on.
0: Mm-hmm. It gets. Yeah. I mean, the, the mystery is resolved by the end of the eight episodes. So you do get That's some good. closure um but yeah it, it was kind of one of those shows where they kind of burned it off in the summer i think and no one really missed it sadly because i think it, it really could have gone to some weird place as if, <laughs> if yeah if, if they had been equal to the enterprise but i guess and then the next year kevin williamson goes on and makes vampire diaries and the rest as they say is history so
1: yeah i should um i should be more vocal about my love of kevin williamson he's just he's a really great screenwriter who's sometimes a little bit um sometimes a little bit pretentious uh Mm. but but I think exactly pretentious enough for me
0: no I think I think he he's best when he's hungry I think when people start like throwing him all sorts of projects and uh and then he like ends up burning out but like this was like right at like in in his hungry phase so he was he was really working it so anyway (laughs) (laughs) You're number three, please. (laughs)
1: Um, So I I went in sort of reverse order of the Mm -hmm. like, you know, first ones all the way to the best one. And so, of course, it shouldn't surprise anyone when I say uh, the number like you should definitely, definitely, definitely be watching to all the boys I've loved before. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you would like the second and third ones, uh, uh, (laughs) P.S. I love you and always and forever. But you don't have to. Uh, you do, however, have to watch the first film, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was just uh, like, it's just, it's like a warm blanket. It's just so <laughs> good to watch. It feels good. Uh, it gives you the, the like tingles when things happen. It looks really great. Um, you know, we sort of talked about it in when we reviewed. The, the third film, this first one was was uh, written and directed uh, by women, whereas the second and third ones were both directed by men. And you can just, mm. there's something intangible, but you can feel it. This first one, it's just this great story. I mean, none of these stories that I'm sharing are particularly uh, new and inventive. They all, much like the Hallmark Christmas <laughs> movies, they follow a, a a pattern you know mm-hmm. that you sort of like, right, there's a couple of different stories different ways it can go but you kind of know at the end that probably everyone is going to be together
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and of course that's what happens with to all the boys I've loved before um, yeah just one of those sort of uh, mixed m- like mixed messages to to friends and then a fake romance. Somehow you get both things at the same time, right? You get the like people who've been friends for a really long time who suddenly decide they have feelings for each other mm-hmm. and people who pretend that they're in a relationship who eventually realize, Oh, by pretending we actually ended up having feelings for each other. You get both of those. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's a Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, I I would say I would add to that, that uh, it's not like, the first all the boys uh, has a ton of unanswered questions. So it's not (laughs) like you have to go. It's like, well, what about this question? No, it's fine. It's self-contained. It's, it's uh, I mean, do what thou wilt, but um, yeah. Uh, Speaking of one and done, uh, my I went back to CBC gem for uh, my last pick. It doesn't exactly fit in the Uber of some of these others, uh, but it is sort of, teen drama it, it is freaks and geeks the first season <laughs> yes. is um uh, well the first and only season i should say um uh, it is there on cbc gem in its entirety like this is like talk about farm teams this is it, it was created by paul feek and judd apatow it starred uh john francis Daly, sam levine linda Cardellini, seth rogan jason siegel martin Starr. among the guest cast was ben foster lizzie kaplan uh alexandra breckenridge uh you had uh mike white as a co-writer on the series um you also had uh josh weinstein of mystery science theater 3000 as one of the writers you had uh jake kasdan as a director uh one of the he directed the pilot in several of the episodes and apatow directed a lot of the episodes too so i mean this is like talent uh you know it's kind of it's kind of no surprise it kind of burns out at the end i mean a lot of this is because uh the network that put it on tv nbc put it on saturday night i believe at eight um
1: just prime time viewing really (laughs) i mean
0: we can we can reach back into tv history and note that like the best night of television that has ever existed cbs in the 1970s was uh, a saturday night lineup where it was like the new heart show mash all in the family and carol burnett so i mean yeah that's... i feel
1: like video stores weren't really a big thing then though
0: <laughs> well true enough but i mean i'm just saying like saturday night was historically a really great night for tv um but not in the year 2000 when this came out and nbc basically had no truck for this show they went to the trouble of green lighting and putting on the air for all season <laughs> uh they did not air i think it was the last three episodes they didn't air um so you don't even know how it kind of all turns out at the end uh but i mean it just it's an incredible cast it's it's unlike even a lot of teen shows to this day, which um, are sometimes about the outcasts, but they're not really outcasts because they're like photogenic, like an Abercrombie commercial, but (laughs) uh, you know, freaks and geeks, it was its name. It was really about the freaks and the geeks that, you know, they had no ambition or their ambition was to get out of high school. So they could stop being bullied. You know, these weren't people like the movie we're going to get into where the, the two main protagonists have some pretty big dreams. Um, Nobody on freaks and geeks had dreams beyond uh, surviving another day in high school. And I find that imminently fascinating as an approach um, as, as still to this day, um, high school dramas are, (laughs) are even, even the ones about how high school is horrible. It's not really horrible. It's, it's, it's manageable, but there was nothing manageable about the high school world of freaks and geeks. And
1: yeah. Yeah. One thing I really liked about Freaks and Geeks, too, is how mm-hmm. young the cast was. Yeah. Um, they were all, you know, sort of sort of high school or teenaged. I think, you know, the the oldest ones were only in their, like, very early 20s mm-hmm. playing, you know, 17-year-old kids because there were sort of two. There was Linda Cardellini and then her younger brother. So there was kind of like two groups of friends. So mm-hmm. one was older, one was younger. Mm-hmm but and that's the sort of the thing too with um my so-called life that made such a difference mm-hmm. was also having an actual child <laughs> play <laughs> <laughs> the, the child lead character it really was so much more believable and and true to life that way
0: my so-called life almost made the list it is on Disney plus um, so it is ha- eminently streamable and again because it's one season and it, uh, but it also like makes you think like Would we still think about these shows as great if they had, like, gone the the distance, if there was, like, eight seasons of my so-called life? Oh,
1: God, no. Yeah. No. I mean, even the OC, right? Yeah. Should have gotten out a little bit sooner than it did. Like, that fourth season was not great. I
0: love the fourth season. I
1: like the fourth season, too, but it definitely... It but was it, definitely a different show by the fourth season because true. high school was over and Marissa was dead. Spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I do feel like the fourth season exists to uh, remedy the, the second and the third season. It's like, we're going to go, we're going to go out by doing the things that the show that people enjoyed watching the show for in season one. And uh I mean, I guess, I guess you know, it, it's the the Costanza lesson, right? Go out on a high note. So, <laughs> anyway.
1: yeah, I mean, you know, Degrassi sort of like got the model right, right? Like kids graduated out of the school and new crops of kids came into the school and it stayed in the school and didn't stay with the characters. And so it survived like what, almost 30 years now, probably more than 30 years. I don't actually want to do the math. Um, in different iterations, but mm-hmm. even of those iterations, it tended to go for longer than, you know, two or three or four years because they kept bringing in new, new younger students.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we'll have to leave the great uh, how do you make the perfect teen show for longevity debate there because we're going to get <laughs> into... Another subject of teenery, shall we say. Uh, the new Mexican drama, Anonymously Yours. We will come right back after a musical break. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio.
2: Hey, long with your troubles, your troubles, your troubles, your troubles.
1: Are you in high school? Yeah. I'm about to graduate. Hated. Everyone here is the worst. And I don't want to get to know them. And I don't want them to get to know me. It's too bad that girl gave you the wrong number. (laughs) Not really. Because now, I have you to talk
2: to. It is time to be quiet now. Quiet. I
0: have a massive headache. So Sanchez, for once in your life. And that was a clip from Anonymously Yours or Anonymia in the original Spanish. It is the new film from Maria Torres and it stars Annie Cabello, Ralph Morales, Estefi Morales think i butchered that one harold azura and alicia velez and in case you missed the first half of the show this is a teen drama which means candace picked it so candace why did she want to go to mexican high school for this week's show
1: first of all one of these days i want to hear one of the other two guys pick a teen melodrama just to so, just so to see what happens I.
0: so would i
1: <laughs> um so uh yeah i had i i this came out uh on netflix in december and so when it showed up i immediately put it into my to watch list but of course in december i was a little busy with the the ridiculous christmas movies so uh, i saved it for the new year um and you know like we were saying obviously i do love these films they're just you know uh they're fun they're nice uh, everybody has a different way of telling a story. Um, what I really liked about this one too, is the fact that it is a Mexican film and, um, in, uh, Spanish or mm-hmm. Mexican. I'm not sure if Mexican is a, here's, here's the part where I, you know, talk about language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if it's, if, you know, kind of like, is it a dialect? I don't know. They probably just have slang much like French Canadians versus France, French,
2: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. um, Anyway, so I, (laughs) let's go back to what I know about, which is teen romance. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I thought this is, this should be interesting. Like I've, I've never seen a teen sort of romance that isn't, uh, like a North American made, um, for a, a while, uh, Netflix was suggesting a bunch of, um, Korean and Japanese made uh, teen things for me, which yeah, which I was certainly intrigued by, but I never actually got around to, to doing because um, I always prefer subtitles than dubs, but subtitles means I do have to actually look at the screen as opposed to doing the three million other things I sometimes do while I'm watching a movie. <laughs> so I never got around to any of those, but this one, I was like, no, I want to, I want to watch this. It's great. Uh, I'm going to, do nothing but actually pay attention to the screen Mm -hmm. it's good practice Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so i wanted i just i was interested to see what you know how how mexico deals with teens (laughs) (laughs) turns out pretty similar
0: yeah yeah it's um uh it's pretty it, it pretty much unfolds the way you think it will um of I'm course,
1: ex- that's what's good about these movies.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I'm not saying a bad thing about it. I, I, I think I, I've, I've long held the belief, I've articulated on this show that there's nothing wrong with the formula when you can do the formula well. Um, and this does the formula well. Uh, I, I like the the two leads. They are very likable. Um, I like that uh, they, they. Uh, like no one's really coming at this in a sort of malicious way. There's really no maliciousness in this uh, much like the no. all the boys movies. So, um, you know, the, the two leads are likable. You're rooting for them. Uh, I like the, the sarcastic teacher who's in charge of detention. She always made me laugh because she has some <laughs> great one liners. Um, I like the, the sort of the interpersonal dynamics, the parents, I, uh who are both sort of like pushing the kids to uh, at at once follow their dreams, but they want their dreams to take a certain shape, which uh, I think a lot of young people can relate to that. They have their own ideas about what they want to do and their parents might have very different ideas Uh, and that the parents were not treated as obstacles or dumb or are actually rather central to the romance and in a part in terms of, you know, being encouraging and, um, yeah it's it's very lighthearted. it's uh you know it 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 it, it is what it is and uh i i have no particular problems with that (laughs) (laughs) no no. (laughs) notes well i mean i i there's here here's one thing it's uh there's a whole thing with uh the the brother richie yeah um who Clearly has feelings for uh, Valet, who is uh, our, our lead uh, leading lady, and uh, he's trying to um, throw salt in the burgeoning relationship between her <laughs> and Alex. And uh, it all culminates in what looks what what looks like is going to be some sort of like West Side Story <laughs> dance off at the prom that. <laughs> um, I felt kind of had no buildup but on the other hand uh th- that tension was resolved with uh with alex's friend lena basically vulking ne- vulcan neck pinching richie which i thought was hilarious and unexpected um so i i will let the fact there was kind of no rising tension aside because the fight ended with somebody getting vulcan neck pinched <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I will sort of agree that um, yeah, it was so clear, obviously, that Richie had feelings for um, Valeria, and and I was like, well, are we are we gonna do anything with this? Like, yeah, yeah. But but we didn't. The Vulcan neck pinch was also kind of hilarious. I was like, what? Wait, what just happened? Okay, cool, whatever. Um, I will say, uh, so. As we all know, I've been watching a lot of Hallmark films. Hallmark films are one hour and 23 minutes long.
0: Yep. They're tight.
1: Yeah. So uh, as I was watching this, I suddenly went, oh, my God, is this movie not over yet? Why are we not over yet? And I checked and I was like, oh, look, there's still 17 minutes of this one hour and 40 long, 40 minute long movie. I'm like, that's why 123. You're in and out. That's all you need. Um.
0: Here's something I, interesting I noticed on Netflix when I was uh, scrolling through looking for the movie yesterday. Uh, Netflix has the Netflix algorithm has learned me so well that they have a list of movies under 90 minutes.
1: Yep. That's on mine, too. <laughs> OK,
0: so this, the, Netflix seems to understand the situation. Movies are too long now. We want 90 minutes and out. And uh, I mean, anonymously, yours does not necessarily do that. I, I did not besmirch it the extra 10 minutes. I was, I was like, well, it I, I, went, I, I really thought there was going to be a dance off. But leaving that aside, uh, I was OK with the extra 10 minutes. But yeah, I, I appreciate the nudge that, hey, there are a lot of 90 minute movies on Netflix because uh, that is a list I will frequent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I wouldn't, I mean, it, it did feel too long because mm-hmm. we, we all knew where it was going. Mm. Um, but, but yet at the same time, we're still saying, but well, they didn't really do anything with this Richie part, which is <laughs> interesting. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know where, I mean, I guess part of it is that um, Alex and uh, Valeria just went on so many dates. Mm-hmm that just kept like it's like why why are we still questioning this you're clearly dating (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. clearly into each other what what is taking what's the problem here what's going on um all of the dates however were were very interesting Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um i i have a note here that i just started laughing out loud so the characters So. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> teens in Mexico are like, um, but Vale is supposed to be like, not, ugh, not popular, not cool. You know, she's she's a weird artsy kid or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that, first of all, she's obviously very cool. Mm-hmm. Like all of the things she's doing are very cool. Um, you know, her her best friend, and uh who's why can't I remember her name? It doesn't help that imdb has like no names for anybody here. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: oh, I can't remember her for instance, uh, but continue.
1: So Lena is Alex's best friend who is the girlfriend yeah. of with the
0: pink care, yeah.
1: Yeah, of, of gosh, what is her name? Oh I I don't have it. I've got all the other names. Alex, <laughs> Vale, Richie, Lena, and yeah. and Veil's best friend,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: so Richie and the
0: <gasps> Regina was it Regina? Regina, who's that's right. Yes. yes. Okay.
2: Good.
1: So the two of them are super popular, mm-hmm. but and like Veil vale goes with them to all of their parties and things like that, and mm-hmm. is having a good time. Like and people know her; people talk to her. So mm-hmm. this whole thing where she's like, "Oh, I'm you know nobody notices me. I'm not cool. Nobody knows who I am." I'm like, "What? What are you talking about? This is ridiculous." Same thing. With um, Alex too, mm. you know, she constantly like calls him big nerd, both in their real uh, in person relationship and their their anonymous texting, making fun of him for being a big nerd. I'm like, but he's he's super not, um, except that he did show up to their first date in uh, a button up shirt that had astronauts on it, and mm-hmm. I was like, are we trying a little too hard? <laughs> make it seem like this guy is a huge nerd because who shows up who owns a, a, a dress shirt with astronauts on it who who this is ridiculous
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was kind of a weird moment uh yeah. that yeah it, all that was missing was the pocket protector yeah. um-
1: <laughs> of course that date also culminated in Uh, furry karaoke so
0: yes i i found that fascinating it's like we're gonna put on a furry hat and then go sing karaoke and it's like black lights everywhere and i'm like i don't i find none of this appealing for as an as an activity i want to engage in but i'm (laughs) hypnotized by it
1: yeah yeah (laughs) and they also go to like a dance club that's clearly for teenagers and they have zero problem getting alcohol. And I was like, what is the drinking age in Mexico? And it's 18, which I nice. guess these yeah. kids could be 18. They're in their last year of high school. So they yeah. could be 18, but this, I mean, it must be a club specifically for teens because they didn't look 18. And if <laughs> like, you think that they would have been carded or something, or at least like questioned <laughs> when they just ordered beer and pina colada.
0: Yeah, Mexico is a real free-for-all, I guess, question mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, the, that's kind of the, the stuff that I, I find kind of interesting ab- about this. Of course, it, it is also implied that Alex is working class because he lives with his single mom uh, and it's a nice apartment, mm-hmm. but it's, the, it's still an apartment where apparently you can't watch TV and be on the Internet at the same time. <laughs> well,
1: it's a it's a CRT monitor. So what do you expect? those things went out of style in like 1997
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's 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 really something but i i do like um you know the whole thing about them going on so many dates together without really realizing they're dating uh i mean that kind of makes sense to me given my dating history because i i've i've been on numerous dates with a girl without realizing we were kind of dating but that's okay that's uh i think that's that's a com- maybe it is a common Fair experience enough. i thought i was with the weirdo but anonymous, anonymously yours uh has set me straight on that um <laughs> I, I i i like the the idea that they're both yeah, you know, they kind of have this sort of separate life from um from like the the main because i i don't think there's a scene where um Valay really talks to her her friends about like her filmmaking ambitions, which you know all her films are kind of like these weird, you know, the, the kind of teen idea of what is artistic and avant garde. <laughs> but um, the, the, this whole thing about her desire to be a filmmaker seems a bit separate from her other life. And, and you know, uh, Alex too has this separate um, aspect from that he keeps from his friends. This you know, going to the movies alone to watch. Uh, you know Bruce Lee kung fu movies, and you know silently weeping because he's remembering watching kung fu movies with his dad who's passed away. So it, it, it I mean, that didn't bother me so much. It's clearly, these these young people have a lot going on, and um, you know, it. I, I kind of went with that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny because I also have a note here about how incredibly self centered teenagers are, <laughs> because so. Alex and and um, uh, Vale are both in detention, and mm-hmm. they're sitting just like one aisle apart from each other, mm-hmm. and like one one seat row apart from each other, and both texting to their each anonymous other. person yep. who is yep. the other, and like they don't notice that they send a text and hey the phone right beside me went off, and I was like okay that's that whatever. But then they do that again, when they're painting the wall as part of the detention, They're totally, totally <laughs> oblivious to each other, completely in their own world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like literally texting to each other. And like, first of all, why are you not just complaining that the other person is doing nothing but texting when you're supposed to be painting <laughs> this thing as a task? Like, shouldn't that just bother you on its own? And then because that, you should think, hey, who is he texting so much while mm. I'm also texting so much? It's just like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I do, I buy it because I understand that teenagers are mm. so self-centered. Like it's just, the world is all internal. It's all me, 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 me as right. a teenager. And that's not saying anything bad about teenagers. It's just the reality. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was so stark to watch it. I was like, oh my gosh.
0: And there's an undercurrent to that that sort of makes sense in in the film as well, that, you know, they're both attracted to each other when they're uh, anonymous to each other um, and in a a more instantaneous way. Because, I mean, I I think that almost pushes the idea that, yeah, it makes sense that they're dating so much and not really realizing that they're dating um, because they're more guarded in these sort of um, interpersonal uh, in-person reactions or interactions and and they're not as guarded when they can talk anonymously to someone which i guess maria torres probably built that in purposefully uh, to make a point about how you know the, the struggles of, of human inti- intimacy and how we're all afraid that we're going to look like freaks to another person and uh, uh, the, the and act yet of, you yeah. show
1: up in an astronaut shirt yeah <laughs> it's again
0: it was not it was not well argued uh but i mean i think that's kind of the the gist that they were getting at that uh you can wear a mask and um wearing a mask to be yourself essentially so i mean that part of it i got to i i think that detention scene you talked about probably pushed things a little far (laughs) but (laughs) yeah um but i also didn't buy it later when you know the they both decide to meet up as their anonymous selves uh to, to finally meet the other person and she gets there first and is wearing a red hat to signify that she is the um the anonymous girl and alex arrives and sees that she's sitting there at the the counter wearing a red hat and his immediate reaction is to you know get out of there uh, i felt that almost seemed like it was just purposefully extending the drama. Cause I really didn't understand why that would, <laughs> why he yeah. would suddenly freak out. But especially yeah. at the end where she says like, I was hoping you would be anonymous. And it's like, uh, we just, well, that was 20 minutes. We'll never get back. So that we yeah. can have this yeah. showdown at the prom.
1: I 100% worried that this was going to go. You've got mail. I was like, Oh, is he going to start gaslighting her now? Because yeah. I'm not down with that. Yeah. And it didn't happen, which was which was nice. I mean, he did still <laughs> sort of gaslit her but in a yeah. different way.
0: <laughs> he ghosted, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I you know, there were a lot of times that I kind of worried like, oh, is this going to go this way? And it it didn't. It still went like it was still very predictable, mm-hmm. but you know, there's always choices to go this predictable path or that predictable path. And um the film always went the the nicer sort of
2: mm-hmm.
1: more um yeah, just nicer, predictable way. These mm-hmm. people weren't all horrible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and even all the kids who were in detention and the fact that, like, Richie and Alex, like, immediately sort of became... Not really enemies, no, but... No, they're you know More still, like, yeah. yeah, like, Richie just really wanted to be friends with him and he didn't, and so he was upset by that, so decided <laughs> to pick on him. That's right. Right? Like, okay, that's that's, like kind of an understandable and and nicer sort of reason to kind of pick on a person Mm -hmm. but yeah um i did note uh also something i I found very entertaining at the very very end of the film and this isn't really spoil anything because you know where it's going but Mm -hmm. um there's a time when alex is meeting with the principal or the guidance counselor i don't really know what this particular uh, character the the Sort of administrator at the school, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, who was having
1: meetings talking about college. Um, so they were having a meeting, and he said, "Oh, you know, you could be anyone. Maybe you could be like Elon Musk." And he has like these action figures, or you know, whatever. And one of them apparently is Elon Musk, though it's hard to tell because they're all totally white with zero paint on them. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so of course. Alex makes this joke about Elon Musk being, uh, you know, oh, I I could be a billionaire who's making my money off the like labor of other people, and, like <laughs> a really anti-capitalist sort of thing, which I thought was yeah. funny. But then yeah. at the end of the film, he is basically Elon Musk because he's just, he's working for an NGO that provides free internet to people.
2: Mm-hmm. Hello, Starlink, mm-hmm.
1: which is an Elon Musk project that developed, You know, gives free internet to people.
0: (laughs) I mean, it is like the least evil thing Elon Musk does. So, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it's uh, just a tax write off, but still.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's totally to bring his tax bill down because we know how much he hates paying taxes. It's just, it's
1: very ironic. And I wonder if it was on purpose.
0: Uh, It could be. (laughs) I mean, also, is she directing a play at the end?
1: uh uh, maybe it's probably it's probably her school project so when you're in film school you have to direct and like you know create all these things and sometimes you know you hire actors or you have and it's always community actors because you know it's not really going anywhere
0: right (laughs) yeah just a project i do wonder about that because there's the there's the scene at the end where she she makes a video to show her parents about why being a filmmaker matters to her so much why she doesn't want to go work for the family elevator company um and the dad basically says that the whole story about him building his first elevator to help his grandma was bs anyway so i I do wonder what about sort of like the message of the film is like maybe nothing matters except i don't know true love it it (laughs) there's yeah i'm Uh, I'm kind of confused i mean just
1: being yourself i guess
0: be yourself uh which is kind of pat but within the a message within the the ability of the film to deliver um but yeah i yeah i I, all i can all i've been able to think about actually two things um which is the the sarcastic teacher who does detention and it comes in and says like I don't want to be here, you don't want to be here, um, <laughs> and then the 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 fight that ends with the Vulcan neck pinch. So I mean, <laughs> those two those two things alone, you know, is enough to give me make me give this film a thumbs up. Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and, and and the two and leads
1: the, actually all yeah. all of the the teen actors I would say. Um, Except for Richie, maybe I, I wasn't super keen on him, but his character wasn't great. But um, Regina and Lena, Alex and uh, Valeria were all just <laughs> really well acted. Like I really, I really liked these kids who were who were playing those characters. So
0: yeah, the the kids were fine. Um, I, I do, I I do wonder. Um, I don't know. I, I I find I find the film very unfocused in some regards and very focused in other ways. Like I, I, this isn't, I think this is a more interesting product than like I was, after I watch a movie, I kind of flipped through to see the reviews and like a lot of people are just running it off. It's like, ah, oh, it's a stupid team. Mom, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, but not, not quite there. Cause there's some, there's some weird stuff. I mean, even all the teachers, like I noticed a couple of things, uh, all, every conversation with a teacher ends with I got to get to class like these kids are like very <laughs> dedicated to getting to class on time um although it is also kind of used as an excuse to get out of like conversations they don't want to have with adults um and then the other thing is like all the teachers in this school are kind of like it wasn't just the detention teacher like the scene at the prom where that that principal character gets up and like Hey, it's a bittersweet time because it means we have to say goodbye to you. On the other hand, we don't hit the don't door hit you on the ass
2: on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which it's it's so bizarre. It's um it feels like it's a bit like channeling the faculty where like all it's mm. it's no wonder that the teachers were able to be taken over by aliens so easily it's because they just didn't give a damn anymore
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the um the director of this film uh, maria torres and this is her only credit and i can't find very much at all mm. about her on the internet so i suspect that this is probably like her her first film and mm. um you know, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if the character of Valeria was a little bit sort of, you know, based on her or she she felt um, some kinship to that character. Mm. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a good start, I guess, right? Like mm-hmm. and the film, like it looked it looked great. They did some really interesting things with the text messages, which can be really difficult as we know. People texting constantly on screen
0: um i yeah. will say that that the, i found the texting part interesting like that's kind of like the new kind of um like it, it, as as kind of like a I, I, as a plot device because i mean that's how people are communicating and so if you're making a modern set movie and people are texting well how do you put that on display and sometimes it's like they they were talking about this on the film cast a couple of weeks ago. It's like, well, sometimes it's it's an over the shoulder shot. And sometimes it's uh, it appears on screen in a bubble like it it does on the phone. And and I I do like this, how it's like these big letters that, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, can sometimes fill up the whole screen, depending on like the urgency that in which the text is being sent. And uh, there was something that I appreciated there in terms of, how it portrayed the urgency of the message or, or the mood of the message and, and how it was being shared too. So there, there, there was something very interesting about that too. Like this is, there, there's, there's a little nuggets in this film that I appreciated um, that just made it not just another teen movie, because I, I, I think that is fairly dismissive of, yep. of this, but um, to each their own, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you do in turning on a, you know, a a brand new teen film that went directly to Netflix and was made in Mexico? If not because you just like these films,
0: (laughs) right? This is not something that's going to sort of pop up in your like top ten. So you're either like digging into Netflix to find this, or Netflix is bringing it to you because you are. you are friendly to the algorithms that this movie is putting out to borrow a phrase
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right we will have to <laughs>
0: we'll have to leave that there we we'll have to leave our friendly algorithms there that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it and if you want to listen to it again you can find it on our website at end show.com Download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday on the Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. And just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Candice, where can people find you on the internets for more teen drama?
1: I am everywhere on the internet at uh, CIN48, that's C-I-N-N-48, and I'm just going to keep flogging my letterbox uh, account until, you know, I start getting people following me there, or something. I sound desperate, and I am.
0: (laughs) And remember, Christmas isn't over until Hallmark says it's over. (laughs) I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5pm for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Sir Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. Stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another episode of End Credits, and we will see you then. ¶¶